With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. How many tackles can one man break? Hey, welcome to the Husker Cuscast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. This is Justin, along with my cousins Tyler and Derek. Tonight we've got a special episode. We're going to recap the 2017 season. Uh, we're going to give overall impressions, the best and worst of the season. So let's start off with Derek. Derek, what were your overall impressions of this year? Oh, my overall impressions were I just wanted to go to the bathroom and puke. This is the worst <laughs> season since 1961 before Bob Devaney took over. That was the last time we had only four wins. And, and the four mm. wins that, that we had weren't even impressive outside of maybe the Illinois game. And, I, you know, there was so much. Even I kind of bought into the hype this year. You know, we're supposed to have this great quarterback. We're supposed to have good defense. I mean, even I came around to Mike Riley just a little bit this year, a little more than yeah. the, last, the two years prior. Yeah. And nothing but disappointment all year long. It was, it was. If if we hadn't been doing this podcast, I don't know if I'd have sat through every one of those games. True, Tyler. You know, I, I've always felt a you know a special place in the bottom half of my heart for the 2007 season because uh, I was at last year of college and I had to sit through. So many of the worst games I've ever seen, uh, and this year may have been worse. I, I mean, the, there are games that were flat out unwatchable this year uh, against inferior opponents, rivals that we should be playing against, dog shit Iowa. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's. I mean, it's it, it just it was so hard to watch. And, and Derek, to your point, I mean, the expectations. Uh, you you went into this year and you said. You know, we made a big step last year. We had all the momentum. Our recruiting class was coming together great. You know, we had the quarterback that could run his system. We hired a, the most expensive coordinator we've ever done. And nothing. Nothing happened this year. Yeah. Well, something, yeah, something happened. We got way worse and had the worst season in 50 years. Yeah, and I, that's something that I don't understand at all. I mean, because it seemed like with the, the talent that was coming in through. Sure, we, we weren't deep in a lot of positions, position groups, but there was a lot of talent there. And to your point, Derek, yes, this was a huge season of disappointment from start to finish. And it was just one of those things where we just never got better. And it ended on a note where three straight teams hung 50 straight points on us. It, it was tough. Tyler. We're on the same page at this point, but when you look back, though, there were warning signs. Justin, you mentioned the lack of depth. I mean, we knew our wide receiver depth was near critical. If you look at the senior class going into the season, it was arguably the worst senior class I've seen on paper in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, we, were, we were playing a quarterback that hadn't played college football in a year who transferred from Tulane. 
We, we are changing defense's schemes from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Um, our best player going into the season, Chris Jones, got injured. I mean, there were so many warning signs that this year was going to be a disaster. And probably the main one is Vegas told us this year was going to be a disaster. Keep going right there. And every, I mean, there should have been so many signs that we should have had much lower expectations. But, you know, the local media, they bought into the seven-on-seven trills that they were watching and uh, the, the swagger of Bob Diaco, and, and we were misled. Oh, we were misled bad. Derek? I don't know that we were misled. Like, we lost a lot of games. Like, you could talk about lack of depth all you want, but we lost a lot of games in there we should not have lost. Well, absolutely. That Northern Illinois game was the biggest one. And I don't want to say too much there because I know that's going to be one of the categories that we're going to want to get into. But you're right. There's too many games that we lost that we shouldn't have. Uh, But do you guys have anything to add to the overall impressions or should we get down into the uh, categories? Let's get to the categories. Let's do it. Okay, let, let's start off on a positive note. Let's let's talk about the best game. Derek, what was the best game this year? Even the best game to me is so depressing. Because to me, the best game was Illinois. We, that was the only game we won by double digits, or more than double di- or Well, I guess we won one other game by double digits. But we won by 22 points. We had 411 yards. Our offense, our defense actually looked decent, holding Illinois to 199 yards. Our defense had five sacks in that game. Tanner Lee threw zero interceptions for the first time of the year, and it was the only time that the, that, that the team actually gave me a little hope that maybe, just maybe, we we're going to turn it around. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, that probably would have been my pick, but to uh, go a little bit different, I'm going to go with actually a loss. Uh, I'm going to say Penn State. Um, that was a game on the road that I thought we were going to lose by 30 points. Um, it was a game where Stanley Morgan played one of the best games I've seen a wide receiver play. Uh, Tanner Lee balled out. I mean, it, it's hard to pick a best game, and since Derek took mine, uh, I, my number two is Penn State. I thought that that was a game that was actually a lot of fun to watch, which uh, on a season that did not give me much entertainment value. I guess, granted, if you started that game in the second half, but that first half, there's no way that first half was very much fun to watch. That was pitiful. I can't believe you picked that game. I mean, maybe. Well, besides the second quarter, it was a competitive game. The second quarter offense didn't show up. Our defense didn't show up, but they, they didn't show up for half the games. I mean, to try to pick the best game of the season is trying to pick, would you get rather get punched in the throat or in the nuts? I mean, it, it, there's no right answer there. I mean, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, that's a testament to this season. The biggest reason I will disagree with on the Penn State game is I know we came back and made it look like a good game, but it was against their third stringers. I mean, I, I don't know that if they, if, if James Franklin Hadn't taken out those starters. We weren't coming back in that game. Nowhere near close to that. Well, okay, you took Illinois. I'm not taking Arkansas State. I'm not taking. Uh, <laughs> I'm not taking Rutgers. The game that was probably I, Tanner Lee's worst performance. My number and two I probably would have been Purdue. Game, I mean, is Purdue? Tanner Lee, Tanner Lee threw <laughs> for over 400 yards. 
No interceptions. Last second win. I, I, that would have been my number two over Penn State. But I, I guess using Tyler's logic, I guess that Oregon game would fit in there. You know, we sucked the first half, but, you know, we kind of made it interesting there in the second half, and we had a chance to do some amazing stuff. I'd probably pick Oregon better than Penn State. Whoa. I guess the difference is Oregon, I still had expectations of us playing well. By Penn State, the fact that we didn't lose by 30, I consider that a win. You know, it's kind of interesting looking back at the season. Uh, It was that second half of the Oregon game which kind of lifted up the spirits of Nebraska faithful, you know, and the players. You know, they, they did so great to fight back and you know they they never quit this team the team never quit uh early on and that was one of the games was like wow we're just gonna stomp them and they come out to do let's talk about the worst game <laughs> Derek I know you are so Derek take it away you know you just took half my uh comments here but yes, Northern <laughs> Illinois was the worst game by far. It was the first time in in school history that we lost to a MAC team. I mean, we lost to a friggin' MAC team, guys. How bad can it be? And and you know that, that I think the I think that is part of the worst part of it is the players all came out and said the right things. You know, oh, we're so mad about that Oregon game, and we're gonna come out with a vengeance against Northern Illinois. And we come out and throw two pick sixes in the first quarter and don't score in the whole first half. Our defense looked fairly well in that game until it mattered in the fourth quarter. Then all of a sudden we can't stop them and they score a touchdown and take the late lead. So, I mean, <laughs> there was a lot of bad games, but I think that was the probably the biggest turning point of the season right there. That was where I gave up hope. Well, it also cost uh, Sean Eichhorst his job. True. Uh, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that game's definitely up there for me. That that was a, a disappointment that even reflecting on more, the fact that Northern Illinois became a an average MAC team, disappointing. I could have picked us getting blown out in the last game to the skid marks of the Big Ten in <laughs> Iowa. I, I mean, I, I could have picked that one, but to me... The worst game I saw this year was Ohio State. I, I have never seen a Husker team play so unenthused into my life. Um, I remember sitting at home uh, with Jordan, my fiance, just sitting there watching, and we I, I just was like, this is the most embarrassing game I've ever watched. From the very first second of the tunnel walk, it, there was no emotion, and I, I hate to say the kids didn't try, because I don't believe that, but they weren't ready mentally, physically, schematically. It was an embarrassment of epic proportions. You know, I agree with both of you guys. Those those two games right there, I I was uh, going back and forth between those two games as the worst game. For the reasons you guys mentioned, uh, the Northern Illinois game was just brutal because we shouldn't be losing to that team. Ohio State. We quit, and that's. I think that's when a lot of apathy set in uh, among the fan base was during that game right there. Derek, you, you know, this whole year felt like uh, you could have put the schedule on a dartboard and threw a dart and picked your worst game. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that, that none that, of us that's picked how Minnesota really was. The fact that none of us picked Minnesota, which by all accounts to lose to a team that badly who didn't even make a bowl game, that just shows how bad this season was. Well, not even the, not even the fact that they didn't make a bowl game. It's the fact that they scored over fifty points on us and then didn't score a point the rest of the season. Well, you know, Ugh. they were maxed out there. You know, they carried their average <laughs> for the final three <laughs> games of the year. Hey, you know what? The best on us. The best present that uh, Riley gave us on the way out is he got PJ Fleck a contract extension, and right now that's looking like a good thing for Husker Nation. <laughs> well. That's a good point there. All right, let's uh, shift the focus to offensive MVP. Uh, Tyler, let's start with you this time. Finally, I'm getting tired of Derek taking my picks. Uh, I I think this has got to be Stanley Morgan. Um, You know, earlier in the season, I was critical on the podcast of Stanley Morgan. I thought, you know, for what I had heard out of camp, he was a little disappointing. But when you look at what he did in some of the games, especially down the stretch, the fact that he broke the record has had the best season receiving yards a wide receivers ever had at Nebraska, had 10 touchdowns on top of that, including some big catches. I, I think Stanley Morgan definitely led the team. Dirk. Oh, I, you, yeah, Tyler, apparently you and me agree on a lot of shit. Uh, Stanley, Stanley Morgan is definitely the guy for me. Look, he was fourth in the Big Ten in catches this year with 61. He was second in Big Ten in yards re, or receiving yards this year, only behind DJ Moore, who had t- almost 20 catches more than he did and less than 100 yards more. So, I mean, I thought it was pretty impressive. He was tied for the most in the Big Ten with touchdowns at 10. He was tied with Noah Fant out of uh, I, Tyler's favorite school, Iowa. And he, he, actually, he actually led the Big back. Ten. He actually led the Big Ten. With 89.6 yards per game. I, I don't know how you don't give him offensive, the, the MVP. I I know what Justin's argument is going to be on this. We've had this argument. But I, when you're leading the Big Ten in that many categories, I, it's hard to take it away from him. Yeah, forget stats, okay? He wasn't even the best wide receiver on the team. I think the offensive MVP is J.D. Spielman. Hands down. He's the only guy that was clutch, game in, game out. He, how many times were people cussing out uh, uh, Stanley Morgan with all the drops or bonehead plays that he had too often? Yeah, he put up a lot of stats, great, a lot of receiving yards, and I applaud the guy. He, he did that, but there this was a wide receiving core that wasn't deep. There was a running game that was non-existent. He, he was, he fell into circumstance there. Just get He just happened upon all of those yards, I guess is what I'm saying. He wasn't the best wide receiver on the team. Wasn't clutch. So JD Spielman is my guy. He was just explosive. Not only what, uh, what he did there, you know, especially on the special teams kickoff returns. I mean, he, he stormed Husker world with his first kickoff return for a touchdown. He made his name known and he just never, he just never let off the gas. But I I believe if I'm, if I remember right, didn't he break the 
uh, the uh, true freshman or the freshman record for all-purpose yards at 1,572 mm-hmm. yards. I, he did. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. And I would have had him yeah. as my probably my most impressive freshman of the year if we were yes. doing that category. But I just don't and, think you and can he was probably, the stats from Stanley Morgan. And he probably was my number two player. But, Justin, your hatred of Stanley Morgan There's is no the most – there. there is hatred there. You, you have an issue with him. <laughs> It is not logical at all because I will tell you this much. I want Stanley Morgan to come back next year with Frost. I hope he doesn't search for pro. I hope he doesn't look to transfer. I think Stanley Morgan would return and be the probably the most impact player going into the season next year. Maybe. I disagree. <laughs> He's not going to beat out J.D. Spielman, but Derek, go ahead. I, I will agree with Justin, and I, I do know there was a lot of games that we did complain a lot about Stanley Morgan, especially with the drop passes. And so I get where he's coming from, but the, but the stats alone, I just I don't think you can ignore the stats. And he did do a good job most of the time, but some, <laughs> sometimes, I, sometimes, sometimes the bad things outweigh the good things when it comes to a player. And I, I think the thing about J.D. Spielman, and I don't want to take anything away from him, but he had really roughly two really big games that made up a, almost half of his receiving yards. Um, the guy wasn't, I mean, just you say clutch, he made some good th- third down conversions, but there were a lot of games. He was absent from a lot of the receiving games. Uh, I mean, he was not a ga- guy game in, game out. That was Stanley Morgan. He, he showed up every week and performed. Okay. Uh, defensive MVP, Tyler. You know, th- this is a category to me that, that goes beyond stats. I-, I got Luke Gifford as my defensive MVP. Um, and, and, and he had good stats when he played. Um, but, but the reason why I said it is when his injury happened is the moment we started giving up 50 points a game. Uh, I, I think there might've been a correlation in there. There's a guy that showed up and played every game he had the heart, the lifeblood of the defense. Um, there are a few guys I could have gone from with, but when I look at impact, when I was just watching the game, it is Luke Gifford. And I tried to find the stats to make, back up my argument, and it's hard. I mean, yeah. he missed some games, um, but I just felt that he was the most impacted player on defense when he was out there. Derek? I went with Aaron Williams. I, the guy, he was, he was pretty clutch at stopping the run when – he was in. He, and he had a little struggles with some injuries, too. He also led the team with uh, interceptions. Well, I think he was tied with Joshua Kalu, but it, either way, he had probably the most impressive pick six out of the season that tied the game with Wisconsin that actually gave us hope that we were going to play with these assholes. <laughs> but, at the, but at the end of the day, they're just there wasn't a lot to pick from on the defense. It, the, 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 the other only, only other name I could name that I thought could be named was Ben Stilley. Mm-hmm. You know, he led the team with sacks, and he only played nine games. I mean, he had limited time played and led the team in sacks. So that, that was my other guy that I probably would have picked. But I, I went with Aaron Williams just because he actually played in more games. Yeah, I also had Ben Stilley in there because he also led the team in tackles for loss. Actually, I had him as a uh, a 1B. My 1A is Chris Weber. He was, I think he was the most consistent player 
on defense this year. Uh, game in, game out, you could count on Chris Weber to uh, make plays. Uh, ben Stilley, that guy, you're right, Derek. That 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 guy's he's going to be a star headed down the road. Uh, uh, Tyler, go ahead. You want something? I, I, you know, and I, I like Stilly, and I, I like your guys' picks, uh, especially Weber. The other guy I just wanted to give a special shout out as we do at the end of the season is Mick Stolenberg. Yes, uh, there, there was a lot of doubt out how he was going to play that nose tackle position, and and I'm not going to sit here and say he was an All American candidate, but I, I thought he held up really well, and if we could team up the three four next year, which is what it looks like, I, I have a lot of hope that he will do really well at that nose tackle position. Well, just to, just to add to that, you know, I mean, how tough is it to have switched coaches twice and then switch uh, complete different schemes and you're switching a different position and to come out and play as well as he did? I, you're right. He he does deserve some props. And I thought he he had heart. And I thought, you know, there was a lot of players. And, and again, I hate questioning the kids' hearts because – there were players that made plays different games. It seems like they never could show up and play together. And, and I, again, I, I look at a lot of these individual efforts, and I felt like a lot of players did well. They just, I, I blame this on the coaching, and we we butchered Diaco enough, but he he could never get the scheme playing well together. And and with the individual efforts, I I felt that our defense should not have been the worst defense I've seen in my life. So let's uh, shift the focus here to special teams. We kind of talked a little bit about J.D. Spielman and his returns, but let's talk about the highs and lows of special teams. Derek. Wow, you kind of throw me for a loop on this one. I didn't know he was going to go over special teams. Uh, Got to be prepared on the Cuzcast. Well, always, always. Uh, J.D. Spielman, obviously, with his returns. Uh, I I was really disappointed a little bit with uh, DPE and his returns. Yes. Uh, Brown, Drew Brown, he, he was as good as always. And Lightborn impressed me. Lightborn was probably the most improved player on the team overall, period. That guy was terrible a year ago, and this year <laughs> he actually did pretty good. So what, what the hell, Derek? Did you just name anyone who played on special teams? Yeah. I, I get, I, <laughs> yeah. I should have thrown that one to Tyler first. <laughs> wow, I, I mean, I, I, I would have said, man, you would kind of went over every player, but I, I will say Caleb Lightboard, and, and he might be my most improved player overall. I mean, the guy was arguably the biggest liability of the team two years ago, and he proved himself to be a really good punter this year. I, I, again, another reason to be optimistic about the future. Yeah, Caleb Lightborn, you know, I may have been critical about him a couple of times last Maybe. year during the podcast. Maybe a couple Maybe. of times. Maybe three. But that guy turned out to be a stud. I knew. I never doubted him. I never <laughs> doubted him. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of funny because if you go back and listen to this, uh, this uh, episode from last year, we credited Caleb Lightborn with getting Bruce Reed fired. <laughs> See, we gave him props. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to add to the season recap? You know, I, I will say the best thing about this season is we got our guy in Frost. And, and this, 
if this season had been average or if we had been a 7-8 win team this year, we probably would not have got Frost. And I just think the future is so much brighter with him. So I am thankful for this season for hopefully catapulting the next 20 years of Husker football. Yeah, well, speaking of Frost, uh, he got his guy, uh, Adrian Martinez, today. Derek, what can you tell us about that? Oh, a huge get. This guy fits Scott Frost's system to a T. He's that dual-threat quarterback. He's got a good arm on him from as far as I can tell. The only thing that worries you a little bit is he was injured last year as a senior, had surgery on his shoulder. So you kind of always get skeptical when they don't play their senior year. But as far as uh, his stats go in high school, I mean, his stats are phenomenal. And I know that don't always mean anything either, but I guess we'll see what happens. My only concern is I hope we don't end up losing all the other quarterbacks to transfer or NFL draft, possibly for Tanner Lee, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, what's not to be excited about this guy? Yeah. Tanner, do you got anything yeah, to add to recruiting? Well, I want to just get to Adrian Martinez. You mentioned his stats. He had over 4,000 yards his junior year in high school, 25 passing touchdowns, only four interceptions, 14 rushing touchdowns. And you know the best part is, has Husker Nation ever gone wrong with a Martinez quarterback from California? Oh, <laughs> bam. Love Never it. gone wrong there. Uh, always I, a home I run for Husker Taylor, Nation. By the way. Just take, take that guy's cell phone away from him in the locker room. <laughs> True. That's all I got to say. You know, and just to add a little bit more, I mean, we've ragged on Tennessee these last couple of weeks to take the number eight dual threat quarterback in the country away from Tennessee. That's a little bit pleasant in that regards, too. Yeah. Derek. Just a little side note there. I believe that Tennessee had two quarterbacks committed, a four, the four star and Adrian Martinez and another three star. And I believe both of them decommitted today. Wow. Interesting. Uh, what else can you guys tell us about recruiting? We've, we've had a what? couple other guests. You know, we, we've gotten uh, a JUCO for the first time since 2014. So and let me ask you guys this. So I was reading an article today that says Mike Riley is – now recruiting JUCOs at Oregon State. He did not do that the whole time he was at Nebraska in the last three years. Do you guys think that maybe he was handcuffed by I-Course on getting JUCOs? I saw that article and I was uh, pretty... That caught me off guard as well because I know that they didn't go up... They didn't target JUCOs uh, when Mike Riley was here and him being at the doorstep of a JUCO... That kind of, that caught my eye. Uh, maybe, maybe. You know, Sean Eichhorst was kind of snake, I guess. He, maybe Mike Riley would have been better off without him. I think Tyler's going nuts over here. You better let him Yeah, go. Tyler. I, here's what I'll say. I think Juco's, there is a role in college football, and I think they, they are a lot of great examples, especially in Husker Nation, of Juco's coming in and being impact players. There's, you know, examples across college football. But I think there is a reason that a lot of top-tier programs 
go after high school st- stars. And I think when you look at what Riley was trying to build here, he was having success on the recruiting trail going after freshmen. Uh, it wasn't like he wasn't struggling. I think him going after Juco so heavily in Oregon State is more of an indication of what talent he thinks he can get there. Um, I think he felt confident he could go after the top four or five stars, which he did day in, day out. I, I think Frost is looking at this differently where he's saying, man, I have a roster of people that can't play. I, these may not be the best guys for three, four, five years down the road, but I need them next year. I need them two years from now, or else my roster is going to be really in bad shape. That's a good point. Derek? So, okay, back to back to recruiting. So we've picked up four recruits since Sunday, which is awesome. we picked up C.J. Smith, a safety out of uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Jerome Woodward that we talked about being a JUCO. Uh, Justin McGriff, who was a UCF commit out of Tampa, Florida, which tells me that Scott Frost is recruiting the hell out of Florida while he's down there coaching that team. And then we picked up, obviously, Adrian Martinez out of California, which I think has to at least quiet the naysayers for a moment about the Calabrasca movement being over. Well, I I would agree. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see what Frost's recruiting strategy is. I I think... I, I don't know if he even knows what his strategy is going to be going forward. I don't know if he knows his hotbeds of recruiting yet. Um, you know, Riley talked a lot about the Cal- the California move at the 500-mile radius. I, I don't know if Ross has identified his recruiting identity yet in Nebraska. I think right now he is just picking up guys, but I will give Cross a lot of credit. I mean, the guy, I mean, he's James Brown right now. He's the hardest-working man in showbiz. He's coaching at UCF. <laughs> and he's flying to California to get Adrian Martinez. Tonight, he was back in Lincoln having a walk-on summit. Um, I don't have any of the names, but we've gotten three preferred walk-ons committed uh, or stayed committed from Nebraska. Um, and he's and he's flying out and uh, to go back to UCF to coach in the morning. I mean, the guy, he's doing something that I didn't think he was going to do if he went back to coach. And he is really building the program at the same time. So kudos to him. Amen, brother. Amen. That guy's uh, going to sleep, sleep for like two weeks when he gets done with that game. I know. Like, I don't think Get that guy slept. In, I don't think that guy slept since he's become Nebraska's head coach. James Brown, baby. Get on up. <laughs> All right. On Twitter, we uh, posed this poll question earlier this week or last week. If Scott Frost could watch film of only one 2017 game to get a feel for the talent the Huskers have, which game should he select? The options were Oregon, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Northwestern. And our friend on Twitter, Derry Adams, suggested Ohio State. What do you guys think of that question? If Scott Frost could only watch one game, what game should he select? Tyler. I went with Northwestern, and I guess the way I looked at this is there was a lot of games that the Huskers didn't have any sort of competition. They they just died. Northwestern was a game. We took them into overtime, and we had a few plays that we could have won the game. I think when he's looking at talent, I think you're looking at, okay, if I tweak this, I tweak this, 
this is where I can get the team. And I think Northwestern is probably the best display of that this season. Derek? Well, I posted the same question on Facebook. I worded it apparently a little different than you had. I, I worded it as what would be the first game that you would watch rather than the only game. And we, and we got some good feedback on Facebook from it from uh, Rob Files. He says Oregon was the best and worst of the team in one game. Joshua Shaw says probably Arkansas State might as well start at the at the beginning. Good points. Uh, Alex Coombe says Ohio State or whiskey. What level? What level do we aspire to reach? Big Ten title games that regularly. You watch those games because those are the ga- the ones you need to win to get there. And it was hard to argue with any of those guys. Like I mean, those are all good points. I I, I kind of I tended to agree with Alex a little bit more. I, I probably would have went with a Wisconsin game, just because that's I mean that's a team that's on top of the Big Ten West. That's the one you're aiming to beat. So I think that's the game that you try to watch to see where things went wrong, especially when you for three and a half quarters you stayed in it. And then fell mm-hmm. apart. So I think that's probably the biggest game to watch to me. Yeah, that, that's the that's the game I selected for those reasons that you uh, named right there because we we saw some good football out of this team. We saw some uh, effort there, and it didn't work out in the end. But I like that game. The Ohio State game kind of, you know, I was when we set out these four examples there. We weren't kind of looking at this, uh, looking at the question this way. I like what Derry Adams kind of said about the Ohio State because I guess it shows who quits on the team, you know? I thought that was kind of interesting there. Who who do, who wants to show up to the big boy dance, you know? I, absolutely. Nobody showed up. I, mean, I, th- I, think that's, huh. uh, I think that's a key thing that's going to be in the Scott Frost era is – He's not going to allow that to happen, and it. And I, I just want to, I, I want to be very careful about the guys quitting. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the motivation was there. I, I just, I don't think the guys went out there and said, "I'm not going to try." They were not prepared mentally or physically or schematically to play in some of those games. I, I don't think if they didn't show up for a game against Ohio State is necessarily the indication of how they're going to show up under Frost. What about the rest of the year? I, I, I disagree. I completely disagree. I, I think the thing that Frost brings to the table that that Riley just couldn't get into these players was there was two things, pride and confidence. I don't think there was a lot. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily question their effort. I just don't think there was a lot of pride. Like, they didn't, like, when you walk off the field hurt, and then come back on a play later because you your big toe hurt for two minutes. I don't know. There's not a lot of pride there, and there was, there was no confidence in the schemes that were being played, and there was no confidence in their ability, which I think I, I think that was the biggest problem with his coaching staff. I I just think that when you look at these guys and, and under the Riley era in general, at least and especially this year. There, there were two games that we saw massive comebacks in Penn State and Oregon. I, I think the, the calling the guys the quitters, saying I just I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's an accurate statement. I just think it, it's hard when I 
you go through a week of preparation and you are not led to believe you can compete on Saturday. And I, I can't imagine that feeling of showing up to a football game in the back of your head thinking, we are not going to win. And I believe that is the mentality this team took out there. I do not think it is necessarily indication on the players, maybe some of the leadership of the players for not being the better people, but I think these kids could all rebound. I, I don't think uh, there is a scrub on this team that believes they cannot play. Okay, so, so maybe, we're, maybe we're not disagreeing. Maybe we're just saying things in a different way. But at the, at the end of the day, I think there was no pride and confidence on this team. And I think those are two things that Scott Frost will bring fast and furious. Really, I mean, really fast. Because he just oozes confidence. I hope you're right. I, I just, I, I'm not ready to say that I will, uh, under the Frost regime, I will not see another, you know, Wisconsin type game or I, I'm not prepared to say I'm not ready to see a blowout again. I, I could handle a Wisconsin game. What I don't want to see, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to see a friggin' Ohio State or an Iowa game again. Minnesota. Minnesota. <laughs> Even Penn State. And I know, Tyler, you were talking about that as being one of our best games, but we were so blown out of that game. I mean, we yes, we made a decent comeback, but it was terrible. I mean, we that was a terrible a, game. It, I almost wanted to turn that, that game off at halftime because it was so horrible. And Oregon, I mean, you talk about Oregon too, but, I mean, how much did Oregon let off the gas before we finally started coming back? Remember, you're not supposed to say that. Well, maybe oh. now you can. No, but you're I not supposed to say I, that. I they didn't let it off the gas. I that's, can say that's whatever the I resilient want. of the team. This is, this is our podcast. I can say whatever we want. All right, <laughs> uh, we got to move on. Hey, we're on the cusp of bowl season. The bowl games kick off this Saturday. Uh, why don't you go out and participate in our bowl pick'em at ESPN.com Bowl Mania? The group name is Husker Cuzcast. It is completely free. All the picks are straight up. There's no confidence points. So see if you can beat the Cousins in that. Uh, Before we get out of here, we have to give a shout-out to John Cook and the volleyball team. The defending champs are kicking ass and taking names yet again in this tournament. They play Penn State tomorrow night in the Final Four. That match can be found on ESPN at 6 p.m. If the Huskers win, they play the winner of Florida or Stanford in the championship on Saturday. Uh, Derek just to add on to that shout out I want to give an extra shout out to Kelly Hunter Anika Albrecht Michaela Fuecki and Brianna Holman who all made the All-American teams and also just a little shout out to John Cook who for the first time in Nebraska history has made the Final Four for three straight years which is friggin awesome and we're playing Penn State who was the co-Big Ten champions And we're going to find out who the real Big Ten champions are in this Final Four. Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Who would have thought that Nebraska is a volleyball school and not a football school? Uh, (laughs) Who would have known that? I will will tell you this much. I will tell you, I had more fun watching that last volleyball game uh, than I had fun watching any of the football games this season. I have to to, to be honest. Everybody can give me hate mail all you want. But that was the first volleyball game I think I've ever watched, and that was so exciting. That was one of the coolest that is, things I've ever watched. I mean, that was cool. 
it was fun watching those, and guys, if you, watching those girls. If you want to send them hate mail, that is Derek at HuskerHype.com. Derek so at send Husker that hate, hate mail. Yes. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here, guys. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at HuskerCuzCast. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. Make sure you check out HuskerHype.com for the latest in Husker football recruiting and basketball. On behalf of Derek and Tanner, uh, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to recap the early signing period of recruiting. And we'll talk about the most intriguing bulls. Uh, so we'll see you then. And as always, go Big Red. Say bye bye so long, see you later, take it easy, be cool, hang loose.